is my phone. Let me send out this reminder to everybody to tune in to the podcast. D E M L A W Done. Accentuate the motherfucking positive. Look at this view. I bet they're doing them for me. <laughs> <laughs> nice, ain't it, Malcolm? Yeah, it's most definitely soothing, Cass. The air up here is cooler. Far away from the prying eyes of your G-men. Yeah, you joke all you want, Sam. Telling you it's got worse since the tension between me and Mr. Muhammad. Well, I met with a writer in New York a few weeks back. There were two guys following us through the airport. I swear it was the same two. I thought you didn't trust writers. No. This one was a brother, and well, this meeting was important. I figure I better start getting my life story documented in my own words when I can. You have tuned into About Them Laws podcast. I'm your host, King Ramya. And my special guest, as always. I am Ashia. Peace and blessings to you all. So today's um, review review is um, One Night in Miami. One Night in Miami. Um, we just finished watching it for the second time for us. Um, when we always do these reviews, we make sure we watch things twice at least, if not more, to be able to um, give a little bit better better um, perspective than just a first impression. I um, want to start it off with, um, what do you give the movie, Ashu? I'll give it a 10. Okay. Writing from a 1 to 10, I'll give it a 10. And what's the reason why you give it a 10? Mm, the overall concept of the story um you have four men of color in their various careers you got sam cook he's a prolific singer you have um mr brown football player you got malcolm um one of the i mean most famous talkers of that time of the nation of islam and then you have cassius clay who soon turned his name to muhammad ali Mm-hmm. Um, and the friendship that they had, the relationship, and them being able to be men and challenge each other in life and then still be able to maintain their friendships 
Um, I also like the perspective of a different point of view of Malcolm. So, and we can go into that, but um, just over the years, how people have spoken about him and how we get in different perspectives of other relationships that he's had and how he was humanized and how he saw things and he kind of knew that things were going awry in the organization he was amongst. Um, but I liked the ending parts of how Sam felt compelled to be able to speak his truth and speak about his people and make music for that. It was unfortunate that their lives were ended, but I give it a 10 because of all of those reasons in the cluster. Okay, okay, okay. I give it a 10 as well. I give it a 10. Um, it touched on a lot of different things in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. It covered um, four complete um, different individuals who were at the um, the height, only one person at the beginning of their career, which is um, when he, when he just became champion, real champion. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, Muhammad Ali. But um, it covered those two, those four great men and um, their friendship and the importance of that friendship mm-hmm. or what that friendship looked like in a brief and briefly, you know what I'm saying? We really don't know the ins and outs, but just a brief synopsis of it. Um, Want to give a little bit of background on the um, movie before we really get into it. I, I did take notes on some things that I want to highlight in this review. Um, so a little background, Regina King is the one that um, did the movie. I believe it was her and Spike Lee that um, put the movie together. It's, it's taken from a guy named Kemp Powers. Um, that one night in Miami was actually a play. That was very successful that they turned into a movie. Um, the play, which um, imagines the four black icons trying to reconcile their private lives with their public sphere. Okay, uh, one night in Miami, I mean, one night on February 25th, 1964, um, in Miami, Clashes Clay joins Jim Brown, Sam Cook, and Malcolm X. And they discussed the responsibility of being successful black men during the civil rights movement. Mm. Um, Miami is set almost exactly a year, give or take, before Malcolm would be gunned down in front of his family um, in Harlem, New York. Mm. Mm. All right. Um, it's a year before um, Jim Brown retired from the NFL to pursue um, a movie career, um, which was a Jim Brown was at the pinnacle. He was doing his thing. He had records um, and just gave it all up, you know what I'm saying, to um, do movies, which was a more lucrative career than playing in the NFL. Um, Sam Cooke um, is also in the midst of what was like a transformation. Sam Cooke initially was a, a one of the, one of the most successful crossover um, black artists. Um, around this time, um, he was starting to transition and do songs more pertaining to the struggle. Okay, um, let me get some more of my notes. Matter of fact, um, the song "A Change Is Gonna Come" was released a couple of days after he died. He also died in um, December 
1964. So, um, we don't, it's just some highlighted points that I want to touch on because I think it's, it's worthy of a conversation, worthy of review. Um, I'm going to start off with towards the beginning of the movie. Um, a part that stood out was Jim Brown visit um, a neighbor. Jim Brown, of course, was a successful NFL, I believe, running back, if I'm not mistaken. Um, of course, with that type of notoriety and the money he made, he stayed in a very exclusive um, neighborhood. And, um, of course, he back in town. He, we went to go visit a neighbor called Mr. Carlton. Of course, he was a white neighbor. Okay, and um, he went into to his house, and um, I believe it was Mr. Carlton's granddaughter or daughter. Somebody came in and, and greeted him at the door, but he was um, escorted to the porch. And of course, Mr. Carlton came out and was, uh, "Hey, Jim Brown," and and um, and was saying something along the lines of that they're happy to have him in their neighborhood. And I, I'm, I'm assuming he stayed in, once again, a very exclusive neighborhood. And what I mean by exclusive is a, a neighborhood that only white folks stay at, only rich white people stay at. Mm-hmm. So um, the guy was giving him accolades, saying, hey, if you need anything, I mean, real buddy-buddy, chummy-chummy, making them feel comfortable, you would think. Until towards the end of the scene, he his daughter said that, uh, told Mr. Carlton, the white neighbor, that, she, that something needed to be moved in the house and Jim Brown upon getting ready to leave offered to help him move whatever furniture that was in the house and he said without blinking the eye um, that we don't allow niggas in our house yes he did Jim Brown Successful NFL running uh, quarterback. He actually at that time had all the records, broken all type of records, was setting records. The guy was just chummy. Matter of fact, the guy, um, daughter or granddaughter, whoever that was, brought um, Jim Brown some lemonade. Take note that he didn't drink it. What you didn't drink? Amen. <laughs> that brought him some lemonade. I mean, like I, like I said, the conversation was very buddy-buddy, chummy-chummy. You would think. Until when he offered that, it showed that no matter how successful you was, um, the rules are still the rules. You are who you still are. I feel the same way I feel. So um, what do you think about that part? I mean, I wasn't surprised because I think all of the accolades and things that he made were based on the achievements the notoriety based on him being a football player that he brought to the state of Georgia and all of that stuff. I think that yeah, well, it was really mention Georgia. Yeah. So I think it was really based primarily on the fact that he was successful and that I guess he was the token black of that time to be able to bring the notoriety to his. And he probably had some investments in him and some investments in his career, stuff like that. So as long as you are making money for them and bringing them to type of accolades, they'll be nice to a certain extent, to a certain extent, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So um, the the uh, next thing that I um, noticed, um, and once again, I'm, I'm, I'm um, 
picking up the different things that stood out to me in the movie. Mm-hmm. This I ain't going through the whole movie. But just certain things that stood out that I have I have to highlight and um and mention, of course, in, in, in this review we're doing of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um the next part was um was Malcolm X. He was coming home from um doing um not really sure what, but his um his wife was watching him on TV, one of his speeches, and she came in and he, she was like, uh, I was expecting you hours ago and um and uh, I, and he was talking, and what made him late was that he was meeting with his leaders, and she was asking him about that. So what did they? Well, well, initially he he asked where his daughters was, and that he was upset with himself that um he got in too late that he wasn't able to um keep his word in tucking them in, mm-hmm. and um he said that he was of course going to make sure she's like, well, you do it tomorrow night then, you know, um. Even in that showing that he wasn't as home as much as his wife or his children would want him to be, you know, and they longed for him. And he wanted to be there, you know what I'm saying? Because that was the first thing that he mentioned when he walked through the door. Um, And then the next um, thing was her asking him about the meeting. And um, he said that he met with the leadership. He he, he mentioned Louis X. That name was mentioned in the movie. Mm And I'm just assuming that it's in reference to Louis Farrakhan mm-hmm. um, of the Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. And it says that he talked to his friend mm-hmm. about the situation at hand, the situation of their leader, Elijah Muhammad, and his um, sexual exploits. Mm-hmm. Discretion. His sexual exploits mm-hmm. in the organization at that time. And... um. Of course, it wasn't a successful meeting. Mm-hmm. His wife was 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 um, a little bit concerned that Louis X was going to rehearse the things discussed, um, and she was concerned about um, the house, the, the things they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, mentioned that he didn't um, he didn't um, own anything, so. She was concerned about them taking things away from him because of the questioning and how he felt about the organization at that particular time. Mm. And again, that same thing that um, about Malcolm X is highlighted again in another film um, in a whole totally different dynamics, showing again, humanizing him again. Can we use that word? Yes, humanizing we him again. We can. Showing again that he was first and foremost a family man. Mm. Um, contrary to a lot of narratives I heard from that organization put out about him, that he loved his kids, was concerned about his kids, and concerned about the um, the people and the morality, the, the morality of leadership, mm. of them not just teaching a certain thing, but living by what they teach. Mm. And was conflicted about the um, blatant, the blatant gall of not living by and expecting you just to go with it because they are the leaders. So, what you see in that in, in that piece of the um, film? Um, well, I do see that when he got home from doing the work. 
Because that's what he was doing. He was away doing the work. He was doing the work, yeah. Um, he became very conflicted because he was actually living what he taught. Right. And I think that would he be in his journey through his truth, because, you know, the Nation of Islam consider what they believe to be the truth as well. Correct. Um, that he started having some soul searching mm-hmm. in regards to those who he looked up to and those who brought him in, they were not living to that same standard or even, you know, being an example or, or leading. Um, and it brings me back to one of the guards, one of the young men outside. He made mm-hmm. a mention when he came in and asked for their autographs. You jump away here, you know. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> I just want to bring that one piece up and him mentioning that because Muhammad wanted to know how was it to be uh, a Muslim. You jumping ahead. That was Am one I of my points. Yeah, was, okay. I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go We're back. We're talking about this particular thing. Okay, you okay, jumping okay. ahead. So, um, him, him, I'll go back. So, him wanted to be able to see his daughters and be able to put them to bed, show that he had a level of relationship with his children. Mm-hmm. It showed that he cared about, you know, bonding with them, and he wanted to have a balance. So, he was he really beat himself up in regards to that at that time. Also, he missed his wife. Mm-hmm. And um, she was more so concerned. You know, she's looking at him on TV, so she's about, she's looking at what her husband is doing, but she's also concerned. She's looking at the, the things that he cannot look at, the things that he don't see probably face-to-face or from behind the scenes of where she's sitting at and how they may have perceived the conversation. He knew that she was worried. And like I said. It's, it's, I, I will say with that that she was real concerned with him not being able to come to terms with the reality. Oh, yeah, 100%. And extremely concerned with the after effects of coming to terms with that harsh reality. Hmm. And um, that was a heavy piece. That was a heavy piece. I could say a lot more, but that was a heavy piece. Well, I um, The next thing was, um, as the movie's another thing um, progressing along, was um, Ali... Muhammad Ali, where it was Cassius Clay at that particular time, was training for the um, fight for the championship. And, um, of course, he had Malcolm with him. And um, he was being being ridiculed and pressured by trainers that the um, people who was financing him was concerned about him being around Malcolm X because you know how Malcolm X taught him what he stood for. And and these were white men. These white men who was financing Muhammad Ali and all these things when he was coming up the ranks to being the champion. Um, but Muhammad Ali was standing his own, saying, you know, they, they, they have nothing to do with who my friends is. We, this, this, this is a part of my um, process in training to become a champion. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my spiritual advisor. So um, I found that. And, and he stood his ground, too, you know, about it. And that's very, 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 very something I want to key in on and highlight because it'll be a lot of times when um, folks will question you on people that you are involved with that has absolutely nothing to do with them. Hmm. They're, they're, They're concerned about another relationship you have but not concerned about the relationship you have with them. Mm. 
And the relationship with them should be the only thing you concerned about. I agree. Um, now, if the relationship you have with somebody else is like um, messing your life up, like you're around somebody that smoked crack, mm-hmm. uh, you got to be careful. You might start getting robbed. <laughs> they might um, be trying to get you on drugs, okay? But that wasn't the case, you know? So um, be mindful, be mindful, be extremely mindful of those who are very, very concerned about other relationships you have outside of them, like they're trying to be your um, relationship guru mm. <laughs> or God or, 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 or relationship police in your life. Um, what what you see in that piece? I think it's a form of control. Yeah. And I like the way that he, like you said, stood his ground and was like, um, this is business. And he said, well, with the terms, he understood the terms. He said, this is money was for me to do whatever I want. He said, exactly. And if I want to bring my friend, mm-hmm. my spiritual advisor down here, that's my business. Yep. That's my business. And I think. And check and- the dude who, who was telling him, said, hey, he been nothing but good to you. Have he disrespected you? You you ain't black. Have he disrespected you or violated you? in any? No, yeah, he been good to you, right? Yes, he yeah, I been. So uh, folks who don't know them and only going off what they see from a distance on TV, they're only getting a snapshot or um, that particular frame shot of what they're talking about in the moment in that context. Mm-hmm. They haven't, they, they, so they derive their own perceptions about you from that when um, that's not the real you. Not saying that you're being fake, but how does that person deal with you? Is they trying to attack you? Is they trying to destroy you? You know, things of that nature? No. So that was very good. I, I, I liked that little piece. That might have went past a lot of folks' head. Um, the scene wasn't that long, but it spoke volumes. The next part, Ali was um, debating. Um, he went to check in on, on Malcolm at the hotel, and, um, of course, they uh, sent their prayers up or whatever. I guess they went through a study or whatnot. And Malcolm was asking him, so is you um, going to announce now that, you know, you are part of this? And um, Ali being young, you know what I'm saying, he believed that 100% for sure. But once again, when you got your trainers and and money and things of that nature, um, when things of that nature is in involved, you know, you might start wondering, man, is this finna jeopardize my money? Is, you know, is what type of um, consequences is going to come upon me for saying this, you know, even though I believe this wholeheartedly and, you know, so it's those type to to the type of things that was kind of, you know, that conflict, that conflict right there. Um, And the reason why it stood out to me, not so much about his particular thing, but, with just change and period. Change is hard. It is. Change is hard. Change is very, very hard. Things that people um, believe, been raised up in, um, all these traditions, it's hard to change from those things because there's so much time and so much emotion and a spirit, really, to make plain to you attached to it. Yeah, it is. So um, that little piece, you know what I'm saying, stood out a lot to me because I know how it was for me to change from being who I was to what I believe now. 
um, not celebrating, not eating, those things that I had to go through process the folks around me who didn't comprehend and think that was a little bit too much and that it didn't take all that and why don't you do this and I don't think God would be mad if you did that and change is hard. And and, and 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 it's not only you changing, the people around you have to change around who you have become or becoming. So what you seeing in, in that piece? I agree 100%. I think he had to sit back at uh, the 21, 22 and be able to look at um, what that change looked like. What mm-hmm. did it mean to join the Nation of Islam and what did it mean to be a Muslim? He also... Well, he's young, he's an athlete. Yeah, absolutely. He got women at disposal. And Remember, then, drinking and drugging was wasn't gonna be a, able to be a part of the game. Yep. You're, you're, you're an athlete, you're an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Drinking and drugging and, and women is what comes along with it, and you better enjoy it, you yeah. know? So it was that piece. And then also, he's known as Cassius Clay, so taking on the name, a name of that you know organization as well. Going from that, so he went from what was a Cassius X is first. Mm-hmm. So just the change of him understanding what that meant for him, him personally, and then in his career, yeah, yeah. it was a big piece. So then um, they it transitioned to um, Sam Cook. Once again, Sam Cook was a crossover artist. Um, when you consider a bougie artist, the way they was presenting it, so he was inside a hotel that black folks wasn't allowed at. Mm-hmm. You know, and and he was there with a young uh, with, with a young sister, and um, and she was saying that she would have preferred being at the hotel where all the black folks was at. Because yeah, you inside a hotel room that's nice, but once you go outside that room, you are in an environment around people who really don't want you there, mm-hmm. and don't look like you, and don't look like you. But then at the hotel that everybody else was at, you see black folks around walking around, high fiving by the car. You know, it's what we are used to seeing and accustomed to. So um, those two different life challenge, lifestyle challenges was um, kind of unique because a lot, of, a lot of our people aspire to be in the different places that um, our oppressor be at. They think that that's the place to be. Sam Cooke wanted to be at the Copacabana and they really didn't want him there at the Copacabana. He was excited and saw high value in being there and that black artists really are not allowed there unless they are a certain type or have succeeded. Let me say this. Unless they have been successful at a certain point to be allowed to be amongst white folks at that prestigious place at that time. So it, it spoke volumes to me that a lot of the things that we think are the pinnacle of success. Once folks was there, they seen that that wasn't even the place to be. Yet. Nope. That, that they should have found some comfort or made things better around their own or appreciated and valued being around their own a lot more than being around the other, the other nation, the people. So, um, well, what you see in that? I, don't, I ain't got no, no expounding. I see it the same way. I see it the same way. Yeah, it, it it was it it was it was different. Yeah, yeah, it was different. I mean, you able to say, "Hey, I stayed there," but when he was there, you 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 really was just in the room. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't it wasn't ready to like, party until it, he, until he yeah, was there. Yeah, and, and yeah, and he realized that the party, the real party, was over there where 
the black folks was at, and the black folks was at the black hotels. Mm-hmm. So um, from there, from there. Um, fast forward um, to what you was jumping ahead to. Mm-hmm. One of the Muslim guards, a young man, um, while he was on post, um, Muhammad Ali asked him to a question because he came in there to ask. He came in there to ask for autographs mm-hmm. yeah. from everybody. He 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 was a fan of everybody in there, and um, I believe this was after Malcolm already told Jim Brown and Sam Cooke that Muhammad Ali was going to come over to the Nation of Islam, convert. And um, they had their own, they had their own views about that. And um, Muhammad Ali was asking the young man, because Malcolm X stepped out to make a phone call to get his camera, you know, to call his family, get his camera, whatnot. And the young man mentioned something in that dialogue that's very, very heavy to me. He said, he mentioned, um, so he said, um, do you regret anything? Do you regret anything about what do you regret or what do you miss by becoming a Muslim? And the dude really didn't have no. He said, you know, I miss my grandmama pork chops. And, you know, the, in Islam, you, you can't eat pork. And also so-called blacks, Hispanics, natives, you Israelites, we can't eat pork either. You read Leviticus 11 chapter, you, we have a dietary law. There's certain foods that we can't. We can't eat pork, shrimp, crab, lobster. So for Leviticus 11 break down to you what you can and can't eat. Mm-hmm. All right. So that ain't just a, um, a Muslim thing. They actually get that from the Bible because the Bible was around before Islam. Historical fact. All right. Anyway, um, it says that he said that the pork, his, his grandma pork chops and Jim Brown loved his grandma pork chops. He said, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> um. And he said a heavy schedule, and a heavy schedule is I, I believe it's um, as you come as you come into the nation of Islam and, and come up the ranks, it's a lot of different things they have your hands in. Mm. Um, I guess in the proven process, so that's how they build their man up, whatever the program is. It's a schedule that you got to go through. But he told Muhammad Ali that he wouldn't have to worry about being a part of that schedule. And so um, that was highlighted to me on the on the strength of because I used to be a, a part of organizations and things was dealt the same way. If if folks came in and had a certain amount of status or um, had opportunities <laughs> that could benefit the organization. N- they wasn't going to go through the regular process that um, a regular Joe Blow come off the street will have to go to. Mm. Them individuals ain't finna be um, at the leadership house eating on some barbecue. I'm just going to leave, leave it at that. So um, I, I see now that that wasn't just a unique situation to where I was around. I see this happen in many, in many organizations. That if you have a certain status, if you have a certain, or if you if you have certain um, opportunities that will benefit the organization, they'll move you up the line. They'll move you up the line, and 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 he mentioned that, and, and then he also mentioned something about um, something was going on in his neighborhood, and that brothers would have been able to help him defend something or or something nature. 
And Jim Brown was like, um, 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 that's like um, a gang. You, he said you didn't have to join the Nation of Islam for that. You could just join the gang. And then he said, what's the difference? Yes, he did. What's the difference? And, and I said, and that stood out to me because a lot of these organizations operate under the same tutelage in the same spirit as gangs. Facts. Just with their religious book. Mm. I'm going to say it again. So don't, that, that stood out in, in, um, to me in there because I can relate to that. I'm pretty sure a lot of folks can relate, can relate to that. So what you're saying now, I said a whole lot in, in that, Ashi. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to go back. I, I was going to say that originally, that that young man came in. And um, wanted all of their um, autographs for sure. But when he was explaining to him, you can tell that he came from a place of really needing him to kind of build his self-esteem up. He had seemed like he had been chased in the community. And he, you know, he, the brothers would have came and either fought for him, with Mm -hmm. him, because Mm -hmm. he was a part of that organization, like you said. Mm -hmm. Or the training, the military training or things of that nature that he would have took. He would have been able to defend himself. Um, he also mentioned liquor. He was like drinking the liquor. You yeah. can't do that, yeah. you know, and uh, eating the certain things. But he wished he would have joined sooner. He wished he would have joined sooner so that he wouldn't have to go through the things that he went through. And according to the Bible, um, you can drink wine. It's just got to be in moderation. moderation right. You can't be drunk. Mm-hmm. That's a sin. All right. So um, go and, ahead. And when I took from him saying that he wished he would have joined it sooner was that he really didn't have any like goals or like he wasn't really heading anywhere in life so this was the thing to do to you know to solidify him as a man and give him some type of you know position he was a security guard he could say he was a security guard for Malcolm X these are things that he can add to his resume Mm-hmm. Of things that he did and who he was under and, and things of that nature. So, well, when you see when 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 you see other movies, um, what's the other show that um with Forrest Whitaker? He 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 plays um Godfathers of Harlem or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And and that's another uh, separate type of show that shows another perspective of, of Malcolm X. Malcolm X had that brother and had the Nation of Islam in that type of. Gangish, not in a way to oppress the people, but protect the people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He 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 had that essence of a gang thing type thing going on there, where um the Muslims ain't finna, the Muslims will beat you down. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? No, they 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 move your ball for block in there, and you got to realize in the '60s when when they was really. At the pinnacle of their um, specific movement, that was like being that was what you wanted to be a part of. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You might have not, you might have not really one hundred percent, because I know some folks who really wasn't a hundred percent about the doctrine, but they loved the brotherhood in that thing. Yeah, they were all about the unity. They was about that unity, that yeah. that brotherhood and unity. Was completely opposite from what you saw in the Christian church. One hundred percent. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. They were speaking more to, and the Christian church at the time was more about the community than now. <laughs> you 
You know what I'm saying? The, the Christian church and them did a lot of organizing and protesting. And, and do, they are far from that now. They got too much money. Far from that now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But at that particular time, that was, if you was about the people, that was the zone that you would want to be in, period. Mm-hmm. So any young man, just like um, the Panthers, you'll want to be, the way the Panthers was rolling and, and doing anything, you'll want to be a part of that. So they was the thing to be at that time, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I like within the movie, they highlighted those things, because those are real things that happen am, uh, amongst them. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just unique to the Nation of Islam. No. That happens in a lot of these religious organizations. Mm-hmm. So, um, was some more you want to add on that? Yeah, and also just to point out that um, basically what that young man was highlighting is that um, Cassius Clay wouldn't have to worry about that because he was going to be a part of the clique. Ooh. He was going to be a part of the clique. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. He was going straight to the top floor. Straight, listen, wasn't passing gold, wasn't collecting $200. And to prove that the young man wasn't speaking just out of being a young man organization, Cassius Clay, um, according to the storyline or whatever, now I ain't did no deep research, ain't trying to do no deep research in that. But he's according to the storyline of what they presented in this particular movie, um, he supposed to have been a part of the new thing that Malcolm X was doing. Yeah, he was supposed to be. The Nation of Islam supposedly, allegedly, got into the ear of Muhammad Ali and moved, um, from what? Move, he uh, got with them and moved to Chicago, correct? He moved to Chicago for 12 years. And he was right up under the head leader, yes. Elijah Muhammad. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. So what the man told him when he was a nobody. It was facts. I'm talking nobody in the nation. He was a somebody as far as amongst the people because he was the heavyweight champ. Mm-hmm. But he, he didn't go through the... um. The ranks to move up the beer round around. He wasn't proven. He wasn't proven. No, he wasn't proven. He, he didn't. Proven. He didn't go through the process. No. Now Malcolm. Malcolm was training him. Yeah. Personally. Yes, he was. Yes. But like the young man said, you don't have to worry about all that. You, you don't go straight to the. And that's what happened. He went straight to the top floor. Mm-hmm. And that happens in, like I said again, in all these religious institutions. Sadly, that ain't the way it's supposed to be. That's that's sad. So, you know what I'm saying? That was a very um, key point. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that she was adding. No, that was it. So, um, from there, they, they all was inside the hotel room, and Malcolm X was holding every one of them accountable to not get lost in their field of expertise. Mm. Jim Brown, you are the thing. Jim Brown was like the Tom Brady of football yeah. at that time. Yes, he was. Sam Cooke was the Michael Jackson of that time. Muhammad Ali was the Michael Jordan of that time. Mm -hmm. And Malcolm X was the T.D. Jakes or the Creflo Dollar or the whatever way you want. He was known for a message at that time. He said, look, we have all these different fields that we are in. Mm -hmm. I have to challenge y'all because the people you, you have a voice, you have a platform and people love and will follow you. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're not leading them back into the same oppression. Mm-hmm. He, he said that I can't be the only voice. Yeah, yeah. 
He said, I cannot be the only voice. Mm. Matter of fact, y'all voices is a lot bigger than mine's. Yes, he did say that. He wasn't telling them to do what, and, and, what, I, and what I liked in there um, is that he was not telling them to do what he does. He said, in your particular field, do not forget about the struggle. Our people dying. Yes, did. Our people going through a lot of different things. Do not forget in, in, in your particular field, whatever you can do, make sure you helping the people. Let's push things forward. Yeah. Yeah. Push things forward. And from that was pretty much the from that movie on, them going back and forth on different things that they are doing right and what they're doing wrong. And it was all in love. They was getting on each other, cutting each other up. Mm-hmm. But they was friends. Yeah. Those debates and 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 was debates in love to push them to be better. Because I know you better than the, you 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 uh, are great. They're not telling you great in this essence as for your people. They say you're just great in this football essence or in this singing essence or in this boxing essence. But you don't realize your voice is way past that. They're not going to tell you that. But I'm going to tell you that as your friend. Don't forget about the struggle. So what? Um, as, as we progress, what did you say in that point? Um, I love how he used the terminology to use your voice for righteousness. Mm-hmm. And he told them that. He said over and over again. He for kept saying it for righteousness because, mm-hmm. you know, he got on Sam more so than anybody. Because he was the most, he, he was, he was the he most the crossover artist. Absolutely. Than all of them. He really, because our people love music more than sports yeah. any day of the week. 100%. We are musical mm-hmm. people. That's why they, they, they make sure they implement music in the sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead. Have time. And um how he challenged him to and, and everything you're doing when you're thinking about the dollar, when you're thinking about moving into that exclusive neighborhood and doing better for yourself, don't forget about the people that's still looking to you mm-hmm. that you kinda left behind. Don't leave them behind. Use your yeah. voice to be able to guide them in a direction that's gonna liberate or bring freedom to them in some type of way. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of part that I Took from that, and you know what was good too was that they was highlighting not only, of course, he was bringing up things that they can do better that he see is wrong, but I like that they also um, took that in and countered with the things that they are doing. Yeah, yeah, they countered with the things where I am doing this. Jim Brown, I'm always been outspoken. I'm not like for that, mm-hmm. but I always been. But hey, hey, you, 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 and he said you can do better. You can do this and do that. Sam Cook, hey, you making all these songs, but but what about putting this? It's folks, um, other na- nationality people making more songs that are relatable to our struggle than what you doing, you know. And Sam Cook was doing other great things business wise for folks, yeah, which was great, and nobody would have never known. And I'm glad they, that 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 was highlighted in, in that that it wasn't just uh you you not doing nothing and. Do better. No, they actually mentioned the things that Jim Brown and that Sam Cooke and that Muhammad Ali was doing for the people. Yeah. In that dialogue. Um, also, I, another thing that, that that during that debate that they was having, um, Sam Cooke got on Malcolm X. Yeah. 
about Elijah Muhammad. He said, I've been all through Chicago. He has the biggest biggest house for blocks. He said for miles. You can see his house miles and miles away. He said he got all this money. He said, but he ain't saying nothing about the mayor there. Now, during that time, we had somebody called uh, Mayor Daly. Daly? Yeah, I think it was his father. And it was a whole lot of evil. Go- I don't know if y'all seen the. Um, and we're gonna do a uh, review on, on the Black Messiah. That's coming. That's coming. <laughs> That's coming. Judas and the Black Messiah. It was a lot of evil going on in Chicago. A lot of evil going on. A lot of evil going on, going on with the mayor. A lot of evil stuff going on with the crooked politicians. It was so much evil going on. He's like, what is he doing about that? In that specific city, mm. outside of just living it big off the people, living like a pharaoh. That's yeah, what that's said. the oh, that's the he said he living like a pharaoh, and he said the only thing he he keeps saying over and over again is that the white man is the devil. Mm. Sound real similar to some other um, organizations. It's like a quote. It's just a quote or a model. But what does that mean? What comes behind that? Yeah. What what what, that what are you doing that 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 statement what 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 is that state doing? What is that statement doing amongst the people? The white man ain't the only one that's the devil. We can be the devil amongst each other. Oh, absolutely. And and and, and uh and he mentioned that that um he got into some colorism. Yeah. He got on, he he said he asked Malcolm um he noticed that um, it's a lot of light-skinned folks that go real hard, and he wonder if them going so hard um, for the people is off the breast of a lot of hurt or none acceptance from black folks growing up that they wasn't as dark as the other black folks, you know. And so, um, and that colorism plays a major part. It's a major quiet beef in the black community mm. it's not it's 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 spoken of and done so often but it's not looked at for what it's really worth mm-hmm. a lot of the different things that our oppressor uh utilized against us we be doing it with each other if somebody's a little bit lighter than you or a little bit darker than you um you'll make comments either knowingly or unknowingly about those those differences y'all have so 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 Jim Brown highlighted that. What what are you seeing there? I do. That's kind of played in um in our everyday lives and communities that the light skinned ones are more accepted, the darker ones are more looked over. Mm-hmm. And um as a nation, we come in what it says, the Bible says we're a cake unturned. So that goes into our northern kingdom and southern kingdom people. We are different shades of brown and we are still one people. Mm-hmm. So we have to accept that. Yeah. So um as we getting closer to wrapping this up, um um, Jim Brown also um, was getting on Malcolm, saying that um, that it's different. Everybody plays different roles in this black movement. Yes, and he was highlighting um, what Sam Cooke was doing as far as Sam Cooke owned his stuff, mm-hmm. and he was putting folks in position um, to make money off their songs that wouldn't happen in no other situation. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, um, since black folks started doing music, 
um, our oppressor been stealing the music. Been stealing music for for for, for the longest. You you don't wrote all type of hits and beautiful records and and your name ain't even on the track. It was a time when they used to redo your whole song. Yeah. You would do a song and they would redo your whole song. Mm-hmm. And, and and so so he knew that that system was going on, and he knew how he found the way to capitalize off that system at that time. So he, uh, Jim Brown was getting on Malcolm X saying, hey, um, what about economic empowerment? Economic freedom. We, we, we are talking so much from a physical altercation perspective, but what about owning things? Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that is not really taught in its true essence. Folks will throw that language of economic empowerment and when you see the implementation, the application of it, it's really just empowering their pockets. My God. So when they talk about economic empowerment, it ain't about, hey, I'm going to make sure everyone around, around me own businesses. Okay. I'm going to make sure uh, uh, um, everybody around me, families, is straight. That y'all, everybody get houses. That I don't, I, that I'm not sitting up here with the five, ten million dollar home. And everybody else is still paying rent. Don't have an opportunity at all to ever try and get a home because they too busy um, doing the heavy schedule that makes you money. They too busy printing the papers. They too busy going on um, on, um, on 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 Gatorade fundraisers. They doing all, all these different things to, to 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 raise money, but that money ain't 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 benefiting them at all. They're struggling. They time is occupied. They don't even have enough time to try and own things that that you're getting off their labors. So he was talking about we really need to have a conversation of of economic empowerment, and economic empowerment in the essence of not. Making one individual or a few individuals empowered. So that's a, that 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 stood out and spoke volumes. He said, he said that. Um, so about the economic piece, what what are you seeing that? Uh, see that it's a trickle effect in our community. Um, it kind of plays back into Malcolm's passion for our people are dying. When you when you're not when you don't have a hope or a dream or a kingdom to envision or anything like that, and you have examples of teaching you, we have to begin to set the people up for understanding how to how to start their own businesses and how that business is going to be able to sustain you and your household. When you don't have that hope, then you got drug dealing, you got murdering, you got all these things, and the white man understands how that works in our communities. They've been playing on it for years to come. They've been playing on it, and I do think that, like he said, in all our different perspectives, and Malcolm was the only one that didn't have a job that wasn't getting the paycheck. Yeah, he mentioned that. He too. was the only one in that circle who had the most to lose because mm-hmm. he did not have a bag. Because the organization owned this house, owned this car, and owned. They didn't have too much in their house uh, or items of themselves anyway, because they was one one thousand percent about pushing the, the work. The work, one hundred percent. He was dedicated to the work. And, and and that's another aspect of Malcolm's life that keep on being highlighted in the various retellings 
how this man was the face of Islam. Yes, it was many men that put in work. Don't it wasn't a one man band at all. But let's not uh, on um, dim, um deflect or um diminish how effective he was in that organization. Absolutely. He was extremely effective. He was extremely effective. And in everything that he was doing, how was that translating to him and his husband responsibility at home? In the essence of, they didn't own a house. But how many businesses did, did the Nation of Islam set up? They didn't own cars. I remember in different renditions, they were showing that, um, that they didn't even have a lot of clothing. Yeah. Now this is one of one of the, the top leaders there, but that's not how Elijah Muhammad was living. He wasn't living like that. Matter of fact, from the movies, that once again, I'm not in. The, I'm just going off the retellings. Um, close, the man closer to him wasn't living like that either. Mm. Why was Malcolm living so meager? Mm. He truly believed he had a, he had a different agenda. And that sincerity wasn't wasn't um, acknowledged or rewarded, because if they really appreciated the work he put in, hey Malcolm, y'all own this house full sale. Malcolm, he got um, a bank account set up that we don't have for your six, four, five, six children that he have that he barely able to see because he's pushing the message, doing the work. See, certain things ain't highlighted. We just, you know, overlook certain things. But when you've been a part of things, you know certain things like that means a whole lot. Yeah, it's the experience. It's the experience for sure. So um, you talked about the economic empowerment piece. And, 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 so, and, and we noticed that it's not just the nation of Islam that economically empowered one individual mm. or a few individuals. But it's multitude of organizations that um, use the doctrine or what they believe to economically empower themselves. And then he mentioned another piece. Jim Brown dropped a, a, a gold nugget. He said that white folks have the ability to keep Negroes at odds with each other about empty matters instead of important ones. Mm. That was in 1964. That is still going on in 2021 today. Yeah, over 50 years later. Over 50 years We still ain't got hip to that ancient old school psychology trick. Mm. Keep these Negroes at odds with each other about things that don't even matter. And the things that impo- uh, that are important, they'll never get around to because we got so many empty matters in place that they'll never stop arguing about these and look at the real thing. Jim Brown said that in 1964 in the hotel room. So we got to sit back and, and, and assess, is we rolling the same way? What is we really beefing about? What is we really accomplishing? Look at all these major organizations, these major churches. Mm. 
And then look at the members. How many big old churches then you see the members getting off the bus? Living, um, I saw a clip, I don't know how old it was. It was some preacher in there asking for a thousand dollar ties and almost got his brains beat out. Mm. Was, was that in Detroit? Mm. I think it was uh, up in Detroit. Mm. These preachers um, got big churches and ghettos squeezing all the life out of the community. And, and guess what? That's still going on. It ain't just the church doing that. Um, we see the Nation of Islam was doing it. We see a lot of religious organizations be squeezing these communities or squeezing these members out of all their bread. Mm. And you look up and you've been there like a Malcolm X for them years and you don't even have a home. How you don't own a house out of all the million dollars? Of the, uh, the, 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 and you were, it wasn't like you was just a regular member. You was one of the head dudes there. None of that trickled down for you? So, so, so what you see in that part before we um, end it? Um, okay, so let's kind of go back. <laughs> I think, well, okay, from observation, Malcolm struggled so much because he actually believed. Yeah. And one of the things that I noticed, not just in the Nation of Islam, so I don't want people from the Nation of Islam to think we're attacking them. I want... Hey, these y'all bones and y'all closet. Deal, oh, yeah. deal, deal with y'all bones. Grab the broom, <laughs> grab the bag. These y'all bones. But I'll these say this. These y'all bones. But I'll say this. We got bones too. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll say this is that the problem that keeps occurring with Malcolm's story is that those who taught him mm-hmm. actually didn't believe. Yep. Because as he started growing in the understanding, as he started growing and really getting involved with the people doing the work, mm-hmm. those who taught him, he started looking at the way that they started dealing with his, into his interaction because he actually looked up to them and he was trying to meet a mark. And when confronted it, it, or had remember, a conversation. Um, it, I believe it, it manifested. Don't lose thought of what you're saying. Yeah. He didn't see that uh, uh, initially. No, he didn't. Over the process of, of doing the work. And growing. And as he matured. Exactly. He started seeing things as they were actually were. Yeah. It was like that then. Yeah. He never would have known because he was new to everything. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. 100%. And within conversation, out of respect or whatever, yeah. when he started bringing things out, it was either a don't worry about it, um, it's not your business or whatever, but... I don't think what they understood is that everything that he's saying is built on what you taught him. Yeah. I'm, he's giving his life. He's sacrificing time away from his children, his family, and he's talking about this. So, in essence, it makes him was, look like he, a hypocrite. He, he was taught that if you did this, this is what's going to bring forth the change. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is going to bring forth the change. If you are sincere and diligent um, in this, this doesn't bring forth a change that our people need. Mm. He was 100% sold in that. Yeah, he believed it 100%. Go ahead. Where it cha- he changed his life. Yeah, And he did. walked differently and believed, and believed to the point where he's like, well, wait a minute. Um, we all supposed to be about this. Right. And challenged that based on what, he, what his understanding was. And for those who were above him or peers of him, he is to make it seem like you don't question nothing. Yeah. What it, he, the truth that he thought he knew was no longer the truth. Mm-hmm. So he ain't questioning his walk and who he is as a Muslim. 
it's like he said, one of the things that he's also said was that I'm not leaving being a Muslim, but mm-hmm. I, the leadership. He said the leadership is just. He said the leadership is not following the tenets of the message. Jesus. So, and that's what the, that's the verbiage that's that's in there. Those who watch mm-hmm. the movie can see it. And um, that's not just a nation of Islam issue. No. In multi, in a lot of these religious organizations, the leaders are not practicing what they preach. That's what that boiled down to. Yeah, unfortunately, they're not living what they're talking about. Unfortunately, and anyone that says something about them not maintaining the tenets of the message, got to go. Got to go. Mm-hmm. Got to go. Um, and the Nation of Islam, they told him that he was, they gave some weird story from what we see in the movies and other all these different folks we're telling, that Elijah could do what the hell he wanted to do. Mm. Uh, uh, if I'm, I, I believe in Malcolm X, one of my favorite movies of all time, they they compared Elijah to Abraham. Or somebody say, you know, what's it called? They had a whole bunch of wives. Mm. <laughs> I said, <laughs> so um, it's not just in the Nation of Islam. That folks will reach back and start calling themselves, um, saying that they people from the um, way back when and that they can live and do the same thing mm. those folks were, mm. were doing. Mm. So, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and that was just like a real heavy piece in, in the retelling of what he was saying is that, you know, as he started saying it, he, he just couldn't stomach it anymore. Mm-hmm. He was just like, you know, and, and the sad thing is that the man who he looked up to, who taught him, because he's bringing out the understanding of what you're doing is wrong, it became a beef. Yeah. It became a, you can't tell me nothing. You can't, you can't correct me. And, he, you know, he tried to come along, come to terms with, I'm going to either stay and not say nothing. Like the other I, man did. Or if I really believe this and because things don't change, was I got to go. Whatever status and whatever trinkets of rewards that they was getting, they were satisfied with that. That that was good enough for them. Yeah, it was that those trinkets and rewards meant more than the faith. Hmm. Hmm. Matt was saying, "No, we gotta these folks. You gotta hold true to the faith. You're not doing that." And people was coming to me with it and bringing it to me and doing this and saying, "Wait a minute, we supposed to be." About this. Hold on. So you saying that Malcolm wasn't going looking for the stuff? No, they brought now. Now, man, you, I'm not in there. These y'all bones in the closet. Um, mm-hmm. from what the movies and different interviews of folks talking, those things was brought to him. Mm-hmm. He didn't go look for nothing. And because things was brought to him, he sought to find solutions to the issues. He, fr- and got demonized first, for first that. He, he, from what the movie um was saying. He went to go looking to see if these accusations was was true, because mm. folks be lying on you. But then when it's found out that it's true, hey, hold on, what's going on? Mm. And he seemed, and he and he and he, and he found, like I said, he he had to come to terms that not only was the leader off, but there were other men who knew about that it. knew about it, yep. and was cool with it. So it wasn't just one person. You mean to tell me all these men that I that I held in high regard really don't believe? Hmm. This is a formality. This is a front. It's a game. It was a game for. Him. Yeah. This is just this is just another unique type of hustle. Hmm. Hmm. 
So now it it it, it go to wait a minute. Hold on. What am I into? It started you and and, and and once again, we're not advocating. I'm no. Um, let me be clear. Disclaimer. I'm not advocating nobody to join the nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. I'm not advocating. Uh, um, according to the Bible, we are the Israelites. That's right. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's right. That's who we are. That's who we be. The Lord never told us to get into none of these religions mm. at all. You won't find it nowhere in the Bible. Right. All of it is man-made from top to bottom. But using the, um, and keeping it into the context of, of the movie and, and the individuals, he believed and he believed to a point that he wanted to make sure that his friends didn't have to believe the way he believed, but at least love the people enough to deal a certain way. To deal a certain way. And that's the point that I really want to uh, um, express to it, that a lot of folks, like I said, um, this truth ain't for everybody. Yeah. We know only a certain amount of our people is going to believe who they are and do what God say do. We know a lot, a, a majority of our people ain't going to never do what, what, what God say do. But while we inside this struggle, because the struggle ain't changed. Hmm. The struggle ain't stopped. Within this struggle, if you're going to go ahead and be uh, a Muslim, which we hope you repent and come out of it. But if you don't be, be that, that's my that's my belief and opinion. All right, but if you're gonna stay there in that in that thing, make sure you're helping your own people. Mm. If you're gonna play the sports, if you're gonna do the music, how much of that is you helping the people? Is you still as you are being used for gain, million dollar slave, um, being used for gain? Is you making sure that that, that some of that is trickling to pushing our people in a better position? Or is you totally forgot about your people and trying to assimilate all the way into another type of um, folks that really don't want you there? So, so, um, anything you want to add to them? No, that was it. So, so as we wrap this up, um, I, I, I definitely want to, um, the point that I want to highlight, I think it was, it was an excellent movie. Um, it's definitely DVD worthy. Um, I definitely think folks should check to check it out. Yeah, um, it's very important. Like I said, what I walk away with it was that Malcolm X wasn't trying to. Of course, he would have loved for his friends to 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 believe what he believed. But even if, if you're not gonna come into what I believe, make sure you don't stop believing and loving your people. If 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 you're gonna be elevated to a certain platform and position, do not forget the people. Yeah, and that's what it's about. And that's what it boiled down to. Because we're the ones catching hell. Mm. Malcolm Express, man, we dying out here. Drugs, politics. I mean, the list goes on. The prison, the police. I know in Chicago, especially during the sixties, it was hell in a bucket. And we don't touch that Judas, Judas, and um, and um, the Black Messiah, because mm. because that was a heavy movie, heavy, heavy, heavy movie coming very soon. 
But once again, the challenge, and I want to encourage every brother, every sister, first and foremost, to repent and keep God's commandments as an Israelite that you are. So-called blacks, Hispanics, Native Indians, those that are the sons and daughters of the slaves, of the indigenous, we got to repent, first and foremost. But if you're taking that, I ain't about no religion and blah, 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 cool, okay, understood. In whatever you believe, and whatever it is you're trying to do, is you going to look out for your people? We have to hold ourselves to a level of accountability. So, um, that's my take on Any last words, Asha? It's a must watch. Watch it twice. <laughs> watch it twice and... Support your brothers because this movie also showed that men go through things as well. Yeah. They go through their yeah. own things and, you know, they need all of the support that they can get. So that's my take on it. That's my end comment. And one more last piece. That man, Malcolm X, knew he was finna die too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, um, outside of folks calling, making the threats, he saw different times his own men mm. talking to the oppressor. Mm. His own set him up. His own. And then we ain't finna touch on it. And I'm, I'm trying to get into my rant because the Lord put a spirit on. Well, I can't I can't remember that brother who did the documentary. Oh, yeah, I can't remember. But he did the documentary to show, the show and prove that Malcolm X's own people, a Muslim up in, what, Philly? Was it in Philly? Uh, the Philadelphia yeah, Muslim, yep. murked that dude. Set him up. Murked him. And was hiding the murder amongst them. And was hiding the murder amongst them. Everybody knew who killed Malcolm X that, uh, uh, the, that was in, in the nation. They knew that. They said, oh, no, we don't, we don't, we don't talk about that around here. Watch the documentary. I, I'm a, uh, I wish I knew. I should have wrote that down so it could have been in this recording. Yeah, we don't talk about that. But y'all looked that up, though, man. Um, um, but, but, but the reason why I mentioned that was even though he knew that this might cost him his life. He still was encouraging the people to do the, hey, look, love the people. Make sure you have a message. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. He was still um, challenging at least his friends, at least, to, hey, look. And I almost, in the essence, I'm going to end it on this. It's almost like he knew that time probably was wrapping up. That hey, I'm finna be um checked up out of here. He said it on the on, a, on the roof. He said I'm, it's, it's I'm, a lingering spirit yeah. around. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna check up out of here. Y'all gotta be able to continue the work. Yeah, you gotta continue to work. Mm. You gotta continue to work. And my challenge is the same to our people. It's high time for us to first and foremost repent, come back to our nationality, come back to our customs and ways, and do what God is telling us to do so things can really get back in order. Mm, that's right. But in the meantime, between time, make sure you have not lost the love for your... Yeah, we know how people are doing a lot, a lot of evil stuff. We know we got a lot of sellouts. We, we know we got a lot of folks amongst us who love. Matter of fact, they've been conditioned to love themselves more than the people. Mm. Do not think that our person ain't been working or work since the 60s. Mm. 
They've been working on work. They seen what kind of love was going. Come on, you had Malcolm, you had Martin, you had the Panthers, you had all, look. Do you know how many things was going? It looked like it was about to end in the sixties and early seventies. Yeah. Our oppressor was getting pressed from all angles, in inside the United States, not outside. Inside the United States. I only got a few. So so don't think that he ain't been working a high level of witchcraft amongst the people through movies and media and music, through drugs, through entertainment, through sports, mm. through religion. Mm. He been serving up a heavy cocktail to our people right. to get us to the point right now where our people really could care less about what's really going on in the community. Oh, yeah. It's about self. With all these churches that's in these um, black communities, it shouldn't be a drug deal on the corner. If the members of the churches came outside and preached the word of Jesus, they wouldn't have nowhere to do the work yet. They work for the past. But no, 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 no. We know what's going on. We know a lot of these churches is wash houses. Mm-hmm. Let me get off this podcast. <laughs> we, 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 we know what's really, what, what, what it really is. About them laws podcast is, uh, it's a, we know a lot of these religious institutions ain't nothing but wash houses for, 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 for um, Ill- illicit activities. So once again, let's, um, I want y'all to thank y'all so much <laughs> for tuning in to About Them Laws podcast. Please join the About Them Laws community by subscribing to King Rahamia on YouTube. Follow me, King Rahamia, and About Them Laws podcast on all social medias and podcasting platforms. For all podcasts and content donations, I want to show my appreciation to all the supporters. And when sending donations, please send them cash app at dollar sign King Rahamia. Um, please share, like, and comment because I value your voice. And as always, know what I, and as always, <laughs> we keep it real, righteous, and relevant. Strength and power to the people. With that, we don't say shalom. Vision be booling. so much for tuning in to about them laws podcast follow him on instagram at king raamya also at about them laws podcast about them laws podcast is on all streaming outlets so support via cash app dollar sign king raamya that's dollar sign k i N-G-R-A-I-M-Y-A-H. As always, keep it real, righteous, and relevant.